Hey everybody, welcome back to Cocktails and Spirits. This is Alphonse, also known as Fonz. Eric is not with me today, but I do have a great guest, Stefan Kurpinski, U.S. Brand Ambassador for Mr. Black Coffee Liqueur. Hey Stefan, how are you doing, man? Hey brother, how's it going? Good, good, man. I'm very excited to have you on as a, you know, Mr. Black is a, a such a great coffee liqueur. I, I want to say it's the leading coffee liqueur for all bartenders because it's so delicious, the presentation and, you know, everything it provides. So I'm just really excited to talk about Mr. Black. And, and I want to hear what you have to say about it as a U.S. brand ambassador. Yeah, thanks, Alfonso. I really appreciate you all having me on and saying such kind words about, about Mr. Black, obviously, uh, something we love and uh, we're very passionate about, uh, all four of us that work here in the States for the product, for the brand. Yeah, man, that, that's exciting. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the history of um, Mr. Black? How did it originate? I know, it, uh, I believe it started in 2013, correct? Correct. Yeah, I can go through that. Absolutely. So uh, we were founded in 2013 by uh, two gentlemen who shared a love and passion for coffee. Uh, a gentleman named Philip Moore, who's a master distiller down in uh, just outside of Sydney, Australia. And he was a gentleman who started his life in botany, put a lot of plants into pots. And when he sold his business, he actually started tinkering in his garage and teaching himself how to distill. Um, he owns the 16th distiller's license in all of Australia. So that can kind of give you a little insight into just how modern the uh, craft, you know, craft spirits movement is in Australia in general. Um, he's only been distilling since the 80s, late 80s, early 90s. So, yeah, it started out with Philip Moore and then our other founder, Tom Baker, who had his uh, sights set on, you know, all things uh, marketing and uh, merchandising pack packaging. He, he's done some really amazing projects in the past. He's a great graphic designer. And he actually went to Philip asking him to make him a gin, um, which didn't work out for Tom. But what he did discover was uh, basically the world's first coffee liqueur using 100% Arabica coffee, which is strange that in 2012, 2013, that was the first time that was really attempted in any real capacity. Um, so they decided on the spot that that was super delicious and should be on every bar. Um, and they started a company. Mr. Black Spirits was born. 2013, we started launch. We started going launching Australia, UK, Asia. By that time, uh, I think it was about 2018 that we launched in New York City, uh, and started it really started with Tom um, selling the, the juice out of the trunk of his car straight from the importer. We didn't even have a distributor yet. By 2019, we had uh, reached about uh, 19 states, I believe, uh, including California, Texas. Uh, got like actual distribution through a distribution company, um, Texas, Illinois, you know, uh, all of New York, not just New York City, Metro, New Jersey, all that good stuff. Florida came online around 2020, um, right, right around the time that uh, the world collapsed, right, with the uh, pandemic. Yeah. We've just been very, very fortunate. I remember sitting in an all staff meeting with everybody around the, the globe that worked for Mr. Black freaking out, you know, whether our little company was going to survive and in turn it actually did much more than that. And, you know, I think a lot of people came out of the pandemic um, a little wary of, you know, being in public setting again. And um, they re rediscovered the espresso martini thanks to some really great targeted ads <laughs> that Mr. Black did, but also just organic. You know, I think people were looking for a little pick me up to start conversations after COVID. So we were very fortunate that, uh, you know, Mr. Black was in place and had great distribution. And, uh, you know, I, I developed a YouTube channel for the brand and we just, we just blew up, right? And we're just like very, you know, we're still in awe of it. Obviously, we worked hard, but yeah, it's it's been really rad. And what really sets us off is just the love language people use when they talk about Mr. Black, whether it be, you know, a bartender making really delicious craft coffee cocktails or, you know, just your average consumer at home picking up a bottle at their local BevMo or, you know, their local bottle shop and, and mixing an espresso martini at home. It's been a delight and a surprise to see everybody just really, you know, dig in and enjoy Mr. Black and turn into what it is today yeah absolutely uh, agree with you said what you said you know what you would think would kind of like make it hard during the pandemic i feel like it kind of helped out a lot in the craft movement for for you know a lot of spirits and a lot of different liqueurs for example that's how i came across mr black back in really the pandemic yeah i was just looking for a you know espresso martinis i was seeing them everywhere and i remember one day my wife and i wanted to try one and i looked up coffee uh, best coffee liqueur to try you know and at, at that time it was early it was 2021 so it wasn't even like uh 2020 
mm-hmm. and I remember there was only a few places that were carrying it, and I saw Mr. Black, and I went to go grab it, and it instantly became like our favorite. Uh, just everything about it, the the flavor, and then uh, one thing you see, like if you get through it, the bottle, the the presentation of the bottle as you get through the bottle, you know, has this really nice design in the back. Right. Yeah. That 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 was Tom Baker. Um, like I said, Philip really had had the uh, the the product, the actual liquid uh, that was really his creation. His his magic was you know selecting some of the best Arabica coffee around the world and and you know roasting them correctly in a, in a beautiful little roaster that he had at the time and uh, making a delicious cold brew and turn that into what, what we know of Mr. Black. But that was only half the battle. And I've seen the packaging before Tom uh, joined on. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you right now, we wouldn't have had the success we've had today if it wasn't for force, you know, and Tom's idea on that was really the liquid is so good, right? It's, it's the best coffee liqueur you're going to find on the market. It's just such a luxuriously supple, delicious cup of coffee with a little bit of booze, right? And something magical happens when you add alcohol to really delicious coffee. Um, the way that, you know, the, the slow, the, the low flash point, the low uh, boil point in, in uh, alcohol tends to kind of bring the aromas and the flavor up on your palate, kind of just dancing around inside of your, you know, your palate um, really changes the way that you perceive coffee, which is really magical. Um, but it wouldn't, be what it is today if it wasn't for Tom really wanting to live up to that beautiful liquid with equally delicious, you know, great looking packaging, right? I think that's all he ever wanted to do was try to try to make it look as good as it tasted. And I, I think he's definitely done that. And we've continuously plussed the packaging. Um, we just went through a slight redesign this year so that it stands up better in wells, stands up better in bars, um, and just looks a little bit more stunning. Um, so it, that's another testament to the to the company and the brand is that we're continuously pushing to make the product better, you know, make everything about it better instead of taking stuff away. We're adding, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And then I also like, you know, it's kind of like innovation because you're kind of like not just sticking to the coffee liqueur. You guys have also expanded. Like right now I see there's the rum barrel, um, uh, expression. And then also the mezcal cask expression. Can you tell us a little bit about those projects and what was the idea behind it? Because, I mean, who doesn't love rum and mezcal? I can't imagine how good they taste. I, know, I right? actually haven't had those. Oh, I haven't serious. had those. I we need to get you a bottle of that mezcal for sure. It is so good. And mezcal and coffee just work really well. You know, what grows together goes together. And you can literally be staring uh, down on the fields, the agave fields from the mountains where really beautiful Arabica coffee is grown in Oaxaca. Um, and you can cool. see the bonfires going on. And that's the agave being cooked for mezcal. So I think that's kind of a cool little, uh, you know, feature and a little story about, about coffee and mezcal. Um, the workers, the, the, the gentlemen that work in Palenque's, uh, go out in the morning and before they go, they have a little cafe de olla, which is usually oh, yeah. sugar with a little bit of yep. coffee and some mezcal to wake them, wake them up and get ready for the day. Uh, this is a really tough job, obviously. So you got to start it off strong, but yeah, uh, we started off, um, really just focusing on the coffee. So we started, launching a few different expressions besides Mr. Black, which is this delicious blend of a few Arabica coffees. Most of our coffees right now are being about 75% are uh, coming from a really beautiful area in Colombia called Papayan. Um, they're about they're many different micro lots, many of them women owned. Um, a lot of a lot of women owned uh, little, little micro lots there that are producing these incredible coffees. We've been sourcing them through some friends uh, who are third generation uh, farmers down in Colombia. And they started a little organization called CoffeeNet to help teach everybody down there how to produce better fruit, how to use less water, how to you know maintain the land um, and get more out of it, right? So that's been great. And then about the other 25% right now is coming from Ethiopia, which is the birthplace of coffee. Um, and, in, and in that, you know, that blend, you have that traditional coffee house blend of something that's just super rich, delicious, um, rounded, really well-rounded coffee, right? Um, but there's there's a whole part of the coffee world the, these days, the third wave of coffee, where we're starting to really have these beautiful relationships with farmers and co-ops, uh, where we're introducing these single-origin varieties into coffee shops and into grocery stores and what have you. So you can really dive into one, you know, distinct area uh, and terroir of coffee, right? Uh, so we started doing that as well, these little single origin varieties of Mr. Black really showcasing 
how beautiful these expressions can be in a coffee liqueur, which was pretty neat. And I think for a lot of, you know, cocktail gurus and, and people who enjoy liqueurs and, and spirits, it was another way to be introduced to really high end coffee in a more approachable way to them. Like we brought these, this really nerdy coffee uh, to them in a, in a way that they could comprehend. And I thought that was really beautiful. Um, I do hope that we continue doing those, but we have gone to Colombia and got sourced a really excellent single origin there uh, that Luis Anibal uh, gave to us. Uh, it was really spectacular. And then we have our second edition was an Ethiopian heirloom coffee from the Yurga Chef, which is a really famous, infamous region for coffee, just being one of the most beautiful places for coffee in the world. Ethiopia was the in the Kenya Valley is the birthplace of coffee, which is pretty magical to go back there. So we hope to do that more. But then we started playing around with putting uh, our Mr. Black basically prior to sh putting a little sugar in it into barrels just to see what it would do. And the first time we did that, we were pretty much assuming it would oxidize and taste terrible. Uh, but it turned out, no, if you manage how long it's in the barrel and you manage how little oxygen is at the top of that, you know, bung, you can actually get a really delicious you know, rested expression of Mr. Black. So we did that, um, I think 2020, maybe early 2021 with Whistlepig. And that oh, turned nice. out to be a huge success. And that was kind of a trial, right? They gave us a few barrels during COVID and was like, hey, play around with this, see what you can do. Um, big, beautiful, you know, you know, rye whiskey brand out of Vermont. Um, and it turned out lovely. Obviously, whiskey and coffee go great together. Uh, John Sanchez Revolver is a testament to that, right? Um, so yeah, we, uh, we did that. That was great. And then we started playing around. We uh, Bundaberg is the largest rum distillery in Australia. So we've done a few different expressions with some of their X barrels, rum barrels. And then, yeah, uh, we recently teamed up with some friends down in Oaxaca to rest Mr. Black in some X mezcal barrels. And it's turned out lovely. We still have a little bit here in the U.S. Um, and hopefully we'll we'll continue that as well. One last thing that we have done that that you, you might find out there in the world is our Amaro, which is oh, a really nice. beautiful. It's a really beautiful blend of Australian coffee culture and italian aperitivo cocktail culture really beautiful tons of bitter orange some gentian about 13 other spices in there and herbs really tasty yeah it's awesome that you, you brought that up because i did see that this morning that's the first time i saw it when i was looking the, up all the products and then one thing i like to do is uh do a lot of like my espresso martinis i like to use amaro's like uh, amaro montenegro or like the it's, i think it's called china china because they're yeah. very like citrusy and the orange peel, I feel like really, really brings out, you know, uh, espresso martinis as opposed to using the typical vodka based or maybe like throwing in a rep tequila reposado or bourbon. I really like Amaro. So the fact that you guys were able to you know, create that product that really, you know, that could be the whole base of the cocktail. Yeah, we, we definitely have similar minds there. I think coffee and, and kind of herby, you know, definitely citrus. Citrus works so well with coffee. But, but that kind of herby, you know, bitter citrus vibe works so well with coffee cocktails. It's, it is fun I, to kind of mix up your espresso martini. I think once people have a few classics, they already, right, their mind is starting to get creative on ways that they can improve it or change it to their taste. Uh, I think, you know, tequila reposado, uh, agave-based uh, espresso martinis are lovely. Um, I don't sleep on a cognac espresso martini. I think they're really, really good. I think that rounding, roundedness of the cognac really develops something special with the coffee. Um, and I've even had great success. You know, I've, I've probably mixed more with Mr. Black than anybody else in the Northern Hemisphere at this point. <laughs> I've had a lot of success, you know, maybe with a half of an orange peel in the shaker, kind of an regal oh, shake. Wow. Um, you don't want to do too much more of that in the same way that you make a really delicious daiquiri and try to float that fresh lime, you know, wheel in the glass and all the bubbles kind of run away from the citrus the same thing happens right it kind of dissipates some of those those beautiful emulsified uh, coffee proteins in an espresso martini if you use too much orange oil it could actually dissipate that which is no good right i mean that's part of the fun of the espresso martini is having that big rich foam on top yeah big time now i do want to uh, touch uh, base back on the aging in the barrels now when you guys were experimenting what was the uh, you know if you're allowed to tell us what was the time that you guys let it rest on the barrel uh, because you know for example you know, bourbon you age it for years tequila i guess age you know depending on the expression now what was that like for mr black what, how often were you guys you know checking back on it to see what was the length of time that you wanted it to sit in the barrel yeah that's a great question um 
And obviously our approach to it was a lot different than, you know, trying to take a new make uh, whiskey and, and, and aging it and developing it in a way that bourbon or scotch does, right, with, with wood. Um, in our case, we were literally just trying to pick up some of the essence of whatever that was inside that barrel. If we're talking about whiskey, that that rye barrel, we're, we're trying to get a little bit of that spice into the, the bottle of Mr. Black. Um, and I think we can all agree we probably went a little too long with that one. It's still oh, really? super it's still super delicious, but if you're a real coffee nerd, you can kind of taste taste a little bit of the stalling that occurs in coffee. Coffee's two biggest, you know, uh, enemies once it's roasted is is light and and oxygen and it oxidized a little, but not terribly. It was really spectacular and it was such a small uh, small, you know, amount that we made that it was purchased and consumed so quickly i don't think anybody could ever really notice but we did so we you know we took some notes the next one we did was our bundaberg barrel and we definitely shrunk from i think about six months to about three and that is all we really needed we blended a couple percent of the rum back in and you got this really beautiful you know marriage right and same with the mezcal it was i think a slightly under three months was all it needed and that mezcal barrel was so flavorful Right, because it lived four or five years in bourbon or Tennessee with all that whiskey. Then it got sent down to Santiago Matatlan, uh, where it went through, I think, four different terms of Añejo, which is, I believe, 18 months. Um, I think the the friends over at Elegal will probably correct me on that, which is fine. Gilbert can uh, just comment in on this because he did tell me once, but now I'm spacing on the, the exact time. But uh, yeah, so it had all this beautiful mezcal flavor a little bit of that spice left over kind of heat from the bourbon. Um, it, it was really lovely because first off their mezcal is sound down there in Santiago Matatlan. It's not overly roasted. It's not like bitter, you know what I mean? That kind of bitter, you know, astringent smoke. It's and the way I, I don't know, I, you probably know better than I Alfonso, but the way I interpret mezcal quality for me is if I can still smell or taste any of like the freshly roasted pina in the bottle, like, cause that is such an intoxicating aroma and flavor. You know, if you ever nod on, on one of those, you know, fibrous pieces when it comes yeah. out of the pit, um, if it's in there, then it's, you know, this is good stuff. And that's, I've always tasted that in their products. So, um, and you get that, you get that kind of roasted pineapple, like that, uh, kind of caramelized pineapple vibe in the expression of Mr. Black, which I think is so rad. And tropical fruit works so well with coffee. It does. That's that yeah. like kind of tropical vibe that that creates. Plus like this, the slight earthy, slight spicy uh, flavor. It's spectacular. And it, it, honestly, we I don't think we've ever created a cocktail that we're just like, wow, this is amazing. We pretty much just drank that stuff straight out of the bottle over rocks or neat. It's just so good. You know, one of those things that if I'm getting off, you know, a tough day, you know, I'll, I'll just sit down. I'll just have a glass of that. It's just so magical and really you know so much depth there but so simple to drink yeah that and that's one thing like you're saying it's so easy to you know try to use tropical flavors and i feel like if you ever mentioned that to someone that you know, hasn't experimented with coffee cocktails or you know other coffee drinks you wouldn't really think those two paired together but the versatility of mr black is like it's insane how much you can use it. I've used it in some tiki drinks and they're like my favorite ones. I, it, 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 so like, was that uh, like a surprise when it got started with Mr. Black, uh, how versatile it is? Um, That's a good question. That's a really good question. And like, there's two pieces that I'd love to talk about. The first one is, was that a surprise to us that Mr. Black was so inherently mixable? I think it actually was when it was just, uh, when it was just our two founders, uh, we used vodka as a base because it was easy, right? Easy to acquire. Australia has uh, only a few different, um, you know, resources that you can use as far as making spirits, right? Um, and one of them is is winter wheat. There's a ton of it in Australia. Australian winter wheat is really prevalent. They have plenty of rye too, but it, that's going to create something that is going to, you know, already have a base of flavor where our whole point of Mr. Black was really to let the coffee shine. So we used that really clean, neutral distillate that, uh, that we use from the winter wheat. And it created this beautiful base, you know, this baseline of just really de delicious, uh, coffee. 
that it ter- in turn made it super mixable, which was kind of like a, a, a newfound gold for Tom and, and the gang when, when they discovered just how mixable it was. Now, if you look at the coffee flavor wheel, and it's so massive, it's got coffee has more aroma and flavor compounds than wine does. And it actually, it's just about anything in your bar, it's going to mix really well with and it's going to taste delicious. You could, something that I've tried to champion the entire time I've been with Mr. Black, my whole motto was to bring great coffee into the evening and into the bars. But once it's there, you give bartenders just an if infinite, you know, combination of flavors to mix with, which is really cool. You can use the, the bitterness in our coffee to, you know, the, the slight, you know, subtle bitterness in our coffee to further balance drinks that are already bitter, like a Negroni. Um, mm-hmm. Adding that kind of roasty coffee to a Negroni ends up further balancing the drink in this really lovely way. Taking some of the harsher notes of the bitter orange Campari and refining it a little bit and, and creating more depth of flavor, which is really cool. Um, and when you when it comes to tropical drinks, it's kind of a no-brainer. And we've known this. We've known this since the 30s, which is funny. I think it's just in, in the same way that we kind of lost our drinking culture, you know, right right around that time, right, due to Prohibition and due to the Second World War. Um, we... We, we've since discovered, rediscovered a lot of it, but I think we're pretty slow to realizing that, you know, coffee was on the first beachcomber menu in the 30s with a Kona Grog. It was a, literally like a coffee rum rhapsody that, uh, that uh, Don Beach came up with. And it's been on tiki menus ever since. And, you know, I'm always shocked and, and surprised when I don't see a coffee drink on a, on a tiki bar's menu. It just means that maybe they haven't had that. They haven't discovered it yet, which is... I honestly is amazing for them because they get that moment yeah you know, the, the, the aha moment for them that's true but for me i'm always a little you know confused and just like man i really i just think they're great i think pineapple and, and coconut and banana and you, you, you pick your poison guava mango all those flavors work so well um with coffee with really good low bitter low acidic coffee like what's found in mr black but like a lot of great modern coffee right if you have a great local coffee shop that's roasting delicious, you know, especially great Arabica coffee, you know, grab some beans, you know, it's as easy as putting some of those delicious beans with a really coarse grind into a bottle of Campari, you know, that can be really tasty or a bottle of sweet vermouth and then making one of your favorite, you know, vermouth based drinks and seeing where that goes. I think anybody drinking coffee cocktails is a win, you know, in our book, in my mind that they're starting to wrap their brain around just how versatile and how interesting uh, that one particular ingredient, singular ingredient, can can make their cocktails. Yeah, absolutely. I have to green. I have to try what you just mentioned. So, do you for, for that? You just like grind the coffee and drop it in the Campari, for example. Yeah, man. Or you can do it into some sweet vermouth too. Uh, just make sure you keep it in the fridge. Otherwise, the uh, yeah the uh, the meme yeah <laughs> the, meme the mover and shaker <laughs> the meme account will. Uh, yeah. I mean, what what an account! I love that guy. That guy's just yeah. incredible. We just had him on last week. Oh, good, good. That guy, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Nick, Nick Hogan. Yeah, Nick Hogan's the man. Like, just yeah, what yeah. he's done with that account, it's just, it keeps us all in stitches, right? Like, I could just, I wish that account existed when I was in a well, you know, yeah, six real. days a week, because it, I would, you know, come up for air and I could look at it and be like, oh, man, we're all, we're all doing the same thing. We're all dealing with the same challenges. <laughs> yeah, we're all looking for, uh, now, My, every time I get a ticket, I, I just, I'm right, like, right. I hope it's something funny. I hope, but now, yeah. Now, know, now they don't happen. Man. Now they don't happen. All those beautiful, beautifully hilarious tickets that have gone in the trash in the bin, right? Yeah. And it could have been out there on that site. Like there was a time somebody ordered a Pappy Van Winkle and cranberry oh, out man. of a service. service no uh, way. Oh, yeah. Service ticket came in once and I was like, all right, I get it. It's a vodka grand drinker trying to look cool to his whiskey friends. But then you're like, all right, well, we're going to serve this modified club service because I don't know how much of this cranberry wants in his 150 dollars a dram whiskey <laughs> that's crazy man that, that's funny yeah but now so let's talk about um some of the things mr black does we're um before we started recording we we're talking about how there's so many things that they do with the community which is also mm-hmm. pretty cool uh you know the, the one i've seen the most which uh i was a part of unfortunately didn't get in the top three but it's all good it was fun uh, the coffee cocktail challenge yeah now I, I feel like that's such a good turnout and it's really cool to see you know, going back to how versatile the uh, the liqueur is, all the different ways people can create cocktails with it. Yeah, it's been really fun. I think 
uh, this past year was our third year. Um, it started kind of during COVID uh, with a partnership with Steve, the bartender, who has a huge YouTube and Facebook group following. Um, really lovely gentleman from Adelaide, Australia. So obviously close to Mr. Black's ancestral home. Um, but he's just a general good dude. And he's like, you know, he, he's like, I'm not like a world renowned bartender. You know, I don't, I don't know if he ever really did it for any you know, long length of time, but his like his bedside manner, like his bar side manner and his, his just how, how gracious and, and lovely of a human he is just endears him to a lot of people. So there's just this huge outpouring of love in his community and everybody tries to stay really positive on everyone's cocktail journey, right? Cause people come from all different, you know, shapes and sizes and, and uh, competency level. Right. And I think if we keep it really keep that discussion really positive, it brings more people into what we do, you know, and that was always something as a bartender, I would, I would want is just somebody who would who had a little bit of knowledge about the subject matter that way, I could take that and, and build off of it as opposed to starting from zero going, okay, all right, your, you know, rum and Coke is technically, we can call that a cocktail. I guess it's more of a, you know, uh, I guess a highball is what we call it nowadays. Um, but yeah, we, we can start there and then we can talk about, you know, something as basic as a, you know, Cuba Libre. And now we're adding a little lime to it or you know, a dark and stormy kind of switching up the soda for, you know, ginger beer, what have you. But um, getting, people more excited and you know enthusiasts more excited about cocktails makes our job easier at bars because then we don't have to mansplain everything to everybody right like we should never do it but like you know it just gets such a habit of being like do you know what campari is it's this bitter aperitif from you know italy yada yada if people are already coming into our bars knowing what campari is or what a negroni is man what a win you know like 20 years ago when i started bartender that wasn't possible you know i started bartending so um but yeah steve the bartender really helped us kind of solidify that um, the first year and second year, I think he was still on board and I know he's been really busy lately, but we've kind of, you know, it's been predominantly a online, uh, forum for people to make and, and try their own hands at coffee cocktails. And we've had a lot of success with it, but more so just, it helps develop a community of people who are excited about mixing with coffee. Um, obviously Mr. Black is sponsoring, but you know, I, I can't wait to see where that goes, right? Like people, more people putting coffee into cocktails means more exciting ideas, you know, and, and ones that aren't just coming from my brain or uh, Martin Hudak, our global brand ambassador's brain, or, or Arlene Wong, who's our amazing Australia, our Asian brand ambassador. We get more people into this beautiful thing we discovered, right? Like that coffee is really delicious by itself, and it's really delicious at night in cocktails. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's always a uh, it's always fun to see. Uh, you know the, the winning drink like i know this last one was i think called a uh, flipping bananas uh, and i i believe uh <laughs> you know i believe that was what it was called and it, it looks really good and it's just like man that that's tasty and you were one of the judges correct yeah I've, I've been i've been a part of the judging all three years actually um and i have to say that just the, the you know from, from year one to year three the the change is drastic it was a lot harder to judge this year because there was so many better better offerings you know um first year was a lot of espresso martini and wh white russian you know hacks no. which which is cool I'll, obviously great i'll drink a white russian they're super delicious especially if i'm you know winning at bowling it makes it feel a little better <laughs> um but yeah it's been cool to see people kind of get out of those you know those classic coffee drinks you know when i first started at mr black the the modus operandi was getting off of the dessert menu because that's kind of where cocktails go to die and the espresso martini doesn't belong in the dessert menu it's just we've kind of bastardized it into that you know role the original dick bradsell version is is a aperitif cocktail right it's vodka and coffee meant to be consumed before a meal like as a tr transition between work and uh and play right um every event we've ever thrown with mr black has been this incredible uh like energy in the room, like, cause there's a little bit of caffeine, right. You kind of get a little bit energized and the, the, the conversation, the communication between, you know, people in the bar is usually just something I've never experienced before in all these years, throwing events in bars. Usually it's a little bit more subdued by later in the evening. And this just like, it keeps ramping up. So getting that, getting to share that with everybody has been pretty magical. Yeah. And that's cool. How you, you know, you've seen the transition from, like you mentioned, you know, the, uh, usual espresso martini to the white russian and now you get a little bit of 
every variety. kind of cocktail. Yeah, variety. Yeah. 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 Something so, I learned with Mr. Black specifically because of our lower sugar content is that you can split a base in a classic recipe. And I think that like the minute I unlocked that in my head really set me off on a journey of coffee cocktails that I had never imagined before. Right. Like, and I think, you know, if you're, if your listeners are you know, taking anything from coffee cocktails, like try that, you, you more than likely won't have to adjust the balance in the cocktail because even though Mr. Black, when you drink it by itself, tastes really sweet. A lot of the perceived sweetness on your palate is actually that we have 10 times the coffee chucked into a bottle of Mr. Black than a old, old world coffee liqueur. And that develops its own density and weight on your tongue. And your, your, you know, your mind obviously is like, well, that's sweet. So it must be sugar, but it's actually not. And I, I'm just fielding a question from somebody uh, about floating Mr. Black in a, like a layered cocktail. And I'm like, I've never mm. done that because first off, we've always tried to t- approach coffee cocktails in a more modern, sensible way, more sensibility way. Um, but now I'm like, it's got me thinking, I'm like, well, what is the density of Mr. Black and where does that fit in a layered cocktail? You know, like my, the, the nerd brain and you know, nerd side of my brain is now popping out. But um, I think that we still have a lot to uh, learn and a lot to uh, to stew on as far as, you know, being creative in, in cocktails with, with coffee before we go back to like B-52 shots. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, no, yeah, because it doesn't look like it would. I don't think it would hold up getting layered. Yeah, no, th- I, I think would have to sit at a bottom like a, like vodka. I think it's that it's closer to that density than it is like Kahlua or you know any of the the other coffee liqueurs from thirty years ago. Yep, that's, that's true. Now I want to talk a little bit about how you got started into uh, you know obviously you have a background in cocktails and I'm assuming coffee, correct? Yeah, yeah, I was a barista for over five years. Yeah. Oh, cool. So how did uh, you know the connection between for you and Mr. Black come along and what what where have you bartender? What, how, how is that? That's a cool you know? success story, actually. And I think a lot of, you know, I never really saw myself on the brand side. I spent five plus years in coffee and over 20 years behind the bar. And I ran bars, I ran bars and restaurants that did it at a really high level. I, I ran, um, was number two in food and beverage at the Logitory Pines in La Jolla, California for a number of years, about five, six years. So making cocktails and suits while my well, I would break my bartenders it was like my daily bartending, just trying to keep the knives sharp. Right. Um, but I was in charge of so much more. That was all I could really do. Uh, I ran cocktail programs uh, for various bars and restaurants around San Diego, California. Um, and then uh, also opened up a bar in Tijuana uh, about five, six years ago called Nortico, um, which is still there doing really well. Everybody I trained down there now owns their own bar or their own coffee roastery, which is really cool. So kind of love being a part of, you know, newer generation and movement and in a city that's always been more known for its like kind of dive bar, you know, party bar scene. Um, so I'm really proud of that. I've been, uh, you know, a part owner proprietor before and, um, that didn't end so well. And that kind of is, goes into the story of how I start with Mr. Black, um, coming from having a lot of history on the bar side and, um, back starting working at trashy bars in San Francisco all the way to, through to, you know, opening or saving a, a bar that was dying and getting some points in it and then watching that bar kind of get taken away, you know, through my other partners in that classic case of, Hey, you know, the contract just wasn't sound, you know, read your contracts a little better. Um, but what I did discover in all of that was a really beautiful liquid called Mr. Black, uh, there was a gentleman named Tom Baker, our founder, actually, that came to one of my bars well before we had a distributor in the States. Um, and was like, hey, mate, try this. He had just uh, pitched it to a distributor in California. And after that pitch, that sounded, it seemed like it went really well. He asked the distributors, you know, hey, do you have a few names in California, of bartenders who have great palates that can give me an honest opinion on, um, on if this, you know, delicious liquid would actually work in the States, right? I'm sure he's heard horror stories in Australia about the kind of coffee we drink here in the U S and you know, that's a long <laughs> conversation. We could, you know, I don't know how much time we have, but the coffee we've changed, it, it, we've drank here in the U S has changed drastically in the last 30 years in the same kind of in the same trajectory as cocktails, um, starting with really terrible, soluble instant coffees in the mid century, right. You know, Folgers crystals, things about that, um, to Starbucks bringing, you know, Italian coffee culture to the States and, actually having cafes and what have you. 
to this more modern movement of craft and taste and, and quality and relationships with the actual farms and doing better and doing right by coffee, not just now, but in the future, um, getting people paid in the process, which is really rad too, to be a part of that movement um, on Mr. Black. But yeah, so he, he got a few names and I was like, it was, it's still an honor to this day because I know the other names that they called out and like, I, I don't know if I belong on that list, but somehow they put me on it. So that was really um, humbling. Um, but yeah, so he came and saw me and I was blown away. Um, I was like, when can I buy it? He's like, you can't, I'll let you know, you know, and by that time I had moved over to hundred proof and was running that bar, um, working towards points. And, uh, he's like, all right, mate, you, you know, next month we're launching in California. And I was like, Hey, if you want to launch at my bar, you know, this goes back to, you know, if you're a bartender, you know, thinking about what the next step is, I highly suggest putting in five years at least in loving the business or getting out because a lot of people are just like, maybe I'll work on the brand side, but that's still part of the bar industry. If you don't love it, it's going to come back to you, right? Like you're not going to enjoy the next job, but yeah, it was like, just launch at my bar, you know, because I I love this stuff. I want people to try it. And uh, just that whole interaction with them um, from start to finish, like Tom started handing a lot of that stuff off to the U S team that was really young at the time, but they were really good. Um, our global brand ambassador, Mr. Or for Mr. Black, Martin Hudak came out and Tom came out. So it was like everybody from Australia came out for this little launch at my bar and everything they said they do, they did and went above and beyond like what the expectation was, which I'd never really seen before from a brand. So not only was the liquid amazing, but the people involved were amazing. So when my bar closed and I was on like literally on my, my, uh, my bum, I'll, I'll, I won't swear. I told myself <laughs> I wouldn't swear. Um, when Tom called me, he was like, hey, mate, what happened to Hunter Proof? And I'm like, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> but uh, I find myself unemployed since for the first time since I was 15. And he was like, yeah, crazy. We were actually looking for a national brand ambassador. We should chat. And I highly recommend even when you don't think it's for you, always taking a, a meeting, you know, which I did. Like I was lucky enough to be flying to New York when he told me that. And he happened to be flying to New York. So it was kind of very all you know stars aligned serendipitous um which happens sometimes when you do things the right way and you're doing things for the right reasons right um so yeah like after a few hours of chatting over a couple of really great cups of aussie coffee and a aussie uh sausage roll he introduced me to a sausage <laughs> roll which i'd never had before um we it kind of things just kind of aligned and like the the what are you doing started becoming what are we doing which was pretty cool um yeah, I've just been with the brand for three plus years since, you know, going to my fourth year here. Um, it's been a magical ride and it's just been fun to watch and be a part of such a small brand when when we launched in the States to where it is today. We were purchased by Diageo outright in September of 2022. Like, wow. Like coming from a brand yeah. where I remember like the first month, a couple months, we we're like, how do we look bigger than we are? Because we're tiny to now being like, how do we, you know, how do we st- still show people that we are who we are? Like, We still are the same delicious product and same team um it's been it's been what a ride like i I can't tell you all the stories in one hour but you know we'll have to do it someday over a coffee or coffee cocktail oh yeah for sure man and then now this sounds like it was a perfect match now i you know while you were working as a bartender in your establishments or where you were running the program were you introducing coffee cocktails you know often to the menu pretty much always had a coffee cocktail on the menu um a lot harder to do before Mr. Black. Yeah, uh, I bet. The, it's just, it was really like, you could do it if you had a, a favorite coffee roaster or you were roasting your own coffee, you know, people were doing that. Mixologists were bringing their own ice to, you know, to competitions for a while there before bars had good ice machines. Um, but yeah, like you could, you could do it. You could like something as simple as putting really good coffee and infusing it into, uh, you know, spirit or a modifier. The great thing about coffee is that it's, you know, it, it infuses, right? It's, it's a great yeah. infuser. Um, if you grind it correctly and you don't over extract it or under extract it, you can get something that's really delicious. Um, and it's meant to be, you know, infused into water in a number of different ways. So, you know, even spirits, which that's are true. higher, higher proof yeah, that's true. alcohol, alcohol will actually dissolve the, the flavor, you know, compounds faster than water will. So you have to be careful with that. But yeah, I mean, you could absolutely do it, but it was about consistency, right? 
um, you could get a really delicious coffee from your local roaster, and then the next month they don't they don't carry it anymore, right? This coffee mm. is, I, uh, you know, it's a it's a raw ingredient, and it has seasons and you know growing seasons and buying seasons, what have you. So you, you might have to change the blend, which they can then change the flavor. The great thing about Mister Black, and when we when we launched in you know 2013 and then 2019 in the states, is that we have something that's super stable and you know consistent from batch to batch and i think that's that's part of the what makes mixing with mr black so special is that you can have that same cocktail every time you make it as opposed to struggling through different you know extractions you know like your different infusions might not be as good because you're doing it super small scale in your kitchen or at you know your bar's prep table um we've done all that hard work for you at this point you can just you can open your mind and free your mind to make delicious cocktails with it you, know? you you actually beat me to the question I was going to ask when you were talking about the you know the seasons. Mm-hmm. If I was going to ask if Mr. Black has found you know uh, difficult to maintain that consistency, but you answered. We haven't, it. You know, well, I've kind of answered it, but that is a good question though because it is like I said a raw ingredient. So it's a you know it's an actual plant. I mean, coffee starts life as it looks a lot like a stone fruit cherry, right? Like actual cherries that you buy at the grocery store. But instead of having one large pit, it has two little seeds that face each other and flat on one side. And at some point, we started calling those beans. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so it, it does evolve and it does change. And every year is different. Every growing year is different. It's like wine, right? Like you could have a great Burgundy from this hillside in France one year. And the next year, they get pests or a drought or too much rain and too much sun, not enough sun. Like it's just a real uh, finicky thing. And the next year, it could be terrible, right? And so how do you, how do you maintain consistency? And we've, we obviously still had problems with that. And, you know, we've had to change up where we source coffees almost every year to, to come up with something that is, is delicious and, you know, um, consistent year over year. Um, we've, you know, gone back and forth on the African component in our coffee, depending on growing season and um, what we can get our hands on right now. It's really hard to get your hands on any high end Ethiopian coffee. Um, so we've had to change and kind of expand. It used to be one, you know, source that we'd get Ethiopian coffee from. And now we're having to, you know, pick pick and choose from a number of different micro lots and um, smaller producers to try to emulate that, what that does to our coffee. And then the Colombian coffee, we've, we've just decided that it's easier to, to get them from a large swath. That way you can get something that really tastes like beautiful Colombian coffee with all the, like the you know, dark chocolates and the dark fruits and the caramels that you would find naturally in really delicious uh, Colombian coffee. And then pair that with that little bit of bright, fresh fruit, kind of tropical uh, orange marmalade vibe of the Ethiopian coffee. And when you put those two together, it ends up being the right ratio and the right balance. But yeah, we've absolutely had to change, you know, especially right now and, you know, in the last couple of years with you know, coming out of the pandemic with global, um, you know, shipping and freight, all that stuff. It's just, it's been a, it's been a fun process to uh, even just make sure that we have Mr. Black for you all to, to use in your cocktails. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of like, it sounds like you guys, you know, like to, you know, try different things as well, like with the cask and stuff. So kind of like keeps you on your toes to keep trying different blends or whatnot. Yeah. And it, I mean, we, we develop that, like that spirit, right. That like, you know, whatever it is that constantly trying and asking questions and being creative um, as we made Mr. Black in our master distiller's garage for almost 10 years. And it was only until March of this past year that we actually moved to a newer facility that actually gave us the ability of scale. But we were literally making Mr. Black by hand in a tiny little roaster in a tiny little back room uh, of a working distillery um, for many, many years um, as like a side hustle at the distillery almost. It was hilarious. But that, being, being able to do things in small batches allowed us to be really creative and try things that if they failed, didn't cost us a whole lot of money. Um, and we have incredible people down there with incredible pallets making coffee um, for us. And Detlef are kind of, he's right nowadays, he's quality control, but he started his life in the wine business. He's just a very analytical uh, German guy that like just inherently understands the complex flavor and aroma of coffee. And he's been our head of coffee since you know, we started pretty much since we launched Mr. Black and the guy just has an incredible palate and the way he approaches looking and buying our coffees is, is just really special. And 
he's still so inquisitive even to this day i recently did a cupping with him when we were last back in sydney and i mean he's just always just like asking me questions and he's you know he's picking up flavors and coffees that you know even my what i thought was a pretty established palate can't pick up and i think that's pretty cool and it pushes you to you know try harder and keep pushing and i think his spirit on that really helps us define what our coffee tastes like and should taste like yeah it's like a continuous learning experience and learning new things to, to you know to make your product great yeah man and and then in turn like all that nerdy like very heady stuff we do that so it's already done it's already in the bottle it's packaged it's perfect it's shelf stable it's really delicious on its own it's great in cocktails um and that just allows us to have a bigger conversation you know in the bar scene in the cocktail world about coffee and cocktails and get inspired by what's in that bottle and i think that's the more magical thing like you know all that stuff we're doing it that's awesome but now wh- how what are you going to do with it right like we've it's in your it's in your hands i think that's the coolest thing and that's been one of the raddest parts of this whole is espresso martini explosion is that it's put a, a bottle of mr black in virtually every bartender's hands which is a dream come true for me like that was the hardest thing for me to do is like just try it right now they have it i mean the, the, there's just so many possibilities and i, I think <laughs> You know, it's always fun to run around town and do master classes on coffee and cocktails for bartenders or for uh, uh, consumers. And when I approach the coffee flavor wheel, when I, I pull one up on a slideshow and it spins around, you can just see how many combinations you've got there. Like mm-hmm. you can see people's eyes just get it. Like they, they go in the back of their brain. They're like, oh, man, I, I need to get back in my bar and start tinkering. You know, it's cool. And coffee is just like. I don't know. It's it's the real MVP, right? Like seventy percent of America. Yeah, yeah, seventy seventy percent of Americans drink it every day. It's a known agent. We all love what coffee is. We all love its flavor. So being able to to discover it in a new way and to approach it in a different way is cool. And I was a barista. I used to bemoan that people would always want their latte their own special way. It's such a individual yeah, thing, true. right? And I, I was just like, man, unlike a daiquiri at a bar, you don't make a latte the same way at all during a shift when you're a barista, you know, some people like it with oat milk. Some people like it with 2%. Some people like whole milk. Some people like latte breves, right. With like, um, cream, um, hot, extra hot, not that hot, you know, short, tall, two mm-hmm. shots, one shot, longo, lungos, you know, little short pools, whatever. There's a hundred different ways. Hazelnut, all the different flavor combinations, right. Um, they used to drive me mad when I get, you know, you can't make the same drink twice in a shift. But now that I'm not a barista, of course, I champion that. I think that is so cool that everybody has their own unique individual uh, story in history with coffee and they have their own style. And I think that's kind of cool because you don't see that in a lot of other, you know, you certainly, certainly don't see it a lot in other, you know, drinks, you know, people like an old fashioned. I mean, the only thing they're really talking about is whiskey. Us yeah. co- cocktail nerds will be like, well, what's your what's your ratio on the? on the syrup, right? Sure. Is that two to one? Yeah. Is that a three to one? Yeah. Um, we might be like, well, you know, we, we're really making it interesting. We're putting two dashes of mole bitters in, you know? Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's like, that's about as far as it goes, but in coffee world, it's just like your possibilities are endless. And I think that's pretty rad that we yeah, get to I mean, like, share that with the, with the cocktail world. Do you think, uh, were you a barista before you were a bartender? Yeah. 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 It turns out the hours were a lot better <laughs> behind the bar. <laughs> uh, do you think a, it it oh do you think it, like you kind of become a better bartender having that barista experience based on all the different combinations you know with with uh coffees lattes cappuccinos that's I mean, a it's great, also endless that's with a great question coffees. right yeah so 100 percent. and if you're a, a bar manager looking for staff right now i'd just go to your local coffee shop and don't poach them but you know um, <laughs> offer them, you know, a second job on the weekends or something, yeah. you know, being a bar back, whatever it is. No, seriously though, if, if you see anybody walking into your, um, you know, your, your, your establishment with an application in their hand and it says barista for four or five years on it and they're not, you know, currently in a job, like they're looking actively looking for another job. I highly recommend taking that meeting and, and meeting with them because they already know the moves. It's the same mm-hmm. moves, right? Like it's fast paced. You're on your feet. You're, you're pivoting all day in a small confined space. You're making drinks to order. 
hospitality, you're taking people at a way worse moment in their in their day than <laughs> than bars, right? Like yeah. People in the morning, they just need their cup of coffee and they can't be bothered for anything else. So if you can find a way to, you know, show them an experience and leave a, a positive impression on them in that setting, they can absolutely do the same at a bar where people have already finished their day at work. They're getting excited to hang out with friends. Maybe it's a new hip bar that they've been waiting to get a, a seat at for a number of weeks and they've been building up that momentum and they're just really excited to be there. Like you're already getting people at a pretty cool moment, you know. Not saying that there aren't, you know, outliers, but yeah, like I think that's a that's a great way to, you know, kind of a natural progression for from barista to, to bartender. Um, and some people don't like coffee's a great industry in of itself, and um, there's a lot of opportunity within the coffee world too. You know, from barista to you know roasters and working for roasting companies, you know, getting uh, qualified Q grade status, which is kind of like the sommelier of of the the coffee world and, and tasting coffee for a living and running around the world yeah. to some of the most beautiful, you know, like where coffee is made is where coffee grows is some of the most beautiful, magical places on this earth. Like it's a tropical fruit. It's, you know, Arabica is only really produced at high elevation. So there's these beautiful rolling mountains and misty mornings. And like, that's a great world to, to step into if, if you're a barista and you want to move up. Right. So there's still possibilities for that too, but um, I think there's a lot of similar similarities for sure. A lot of the same flavors, you know, and ingredients go into both. And it's fun to watch a barista tackle of like a vanilla or cinnamon syrup and then do the same with a bartender. And th those people make them totally different ways and they don't talk to each other, which is another thing, which is hilarious <laughs> yeah. is that, you know, it's two ships passing the night, man. Like being a barista, you got to wake up, you got to be at work at 6 a.m., you know, bartenders, they barely, it barely been home. They're probably still snacking on some olives. They probably haven't gone to bed yet, you know, at that time. So you don't that's see true. each other very often. <laughs> um, and that's something I've, I've tried to take on and head on is, is finding ways for those two communities to connect a bit more. And it's something I, I still want to do more of in this role. And it's one of the things that drives me to, to keep pushing because there's this, these two beautiful worlds that almost never collide. And I've done a few in the past and I want to do more of like bartender barista competitions, right? Where like bartenders, yeah. I teach, I teach them how to make lattes and like do latte art at a local coffee shop. And I have the baristas kind of help them. And then they, they do a throwdown, like, and then the baristas judge it. And then they go back, you know, the next week or whatever and teach the baristas how to bartend. And there's a bartending competition, like cocktail competition. I think those interactions I mean, I, I can't tell you how many like cool things have come from that. Like, like I said, just as simple as like a syrup and two mm -hmm. totally different ways to approach it. Like cinnamon syrups in, in coffee shops taste better than the cinnamon syrups at, at bars. You should try that for yourself. There's way well, more. I, I, yeah. I, I only make cinnamon syrup one way, which I, and I know it's probably not the best way, <laughs> but I, I just throw the cinnamon, you know, and make it. But I imagine there's really a, a much more, you know, approachable scientific way of making it. Right. I just think that to power the cinnamon flavor through a cup of coffee or like a latte and all that like vibrant, fresh pull of espresso is going to be a tougher thing to do than, than pulling through a little cinnamon flavor in your, you know, your tropical cocktail. You know, there's a lot less in the way of that cinnamon flavor in like a, you know, I don't know, name it daiquiri or a, you know, Mai Tai spec. So I think that's that could also be a thing is that there's just a lot more of that cinnamon depth in the in their syrup. But yeah, that's that's just it's a cool little sidebar that we're doing we're literally doing the same job, we just don't talk about it to each other. Yeah. That that's awesome. And I def definitely makes me want to go, you know, check out one of my uh a local good uh, coffee shop to, you know, just hear what they have to say. Well the real know. the real kicker for me is is when we're when in the States are we gonna get a couple of coffee shops that also are successful bars at night? There's a yeah. few that do that around the country. The, the, you know, the, the local one that comes to mind for me is Jay and Tony's. Uh, uh, I can't it's called Jay and Tony's Negroni, Negroni Emporium or something like that and here in San Diego. And they do a great, they got a great coffee program in the morning. Um, and then just a solid like Negroni aperitivo cocktails in the afternoon. There's a few outside of the U.S., obviously, uh, Sammy Jr. and Sydney. But uh, yeah, I think more in the States make a whole lot more sense, but it's like hard to get people to go back and drink cocktails 
at a place they grab their coffee in the morning. I think that has a lot more no, to that do with makes it sense. in the States. Is that we're just so far behind the rest of the world in like cafe culture that like, yeah, you really have to do something. Well, we're used to drinking in like lower dim lit bars. So if you go back to your like brightly lit, very airy, lots shop, yeah. Of, yeah, then it won't work. So you have to kind of change up the vibe, which they do really well. They have one of the largest at Jay and Tony's. They have one of the largest disco balls I've ever seen. So that thing's <laughs> spinning and they got like a Macintosh amp going with, with vinyl. So like it, they do a really good job at changing that. And they're uh, always one of the best, my favorite venues for our little uh, uh, event, industry event we put on San Diego every year called Bartenders Weekend, which I'm not sure. Have you been yet? I haven't been, but I know it's coming up. Yeah, March. Uh, I think it's 18th through 20th or 20th through 22nd. Yeah, I'm going to try and get down there. I'm going to wait and see how my schedule's looking because I'm, I'm actually going to be in San Diego uh, the week before for my wife's birthday. We're going to go check out Race by Wolves and yeah. like Provisions, uh, which Eric Castro, you know, Bartenders Weekend. Yeah, man. Uh, so we're excited for that. First time we're going to be erased by wolves. But w- let me know that uh, I'm going to take the name down of the one you mentioned that's in San Diego, that coffee bar. Yeah, Jay and Tony's. They're they're owned by the same group that those other two bars. What, what was it called? Jay and Tony's? Jay and Tony's. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to see if we could swing by and check it out because it sounds yeah, good. For, for all of your listeners that haven't been to Bartenders Weekend, we're like the anti. I'm sneaky, like the third promoter for Bartenders Weekend. Oh, cool. The two people everybody know and, and kind of founded it. Eric Castro and Chris Patino are just obviously legends, um, super solid homies. Um, but myself, I've, I've been a part of uh, Bartenders Weekend in a like management, you know, promoter capacity for like the last, I think, six years, six out of nine. Um, so I've been I've been around for a while. And then Jesse Peterson um, is another legend here in San Diego. She's kind of jumped on board the last couple of years to help out, especially now that I'm very busy with this big, big boy national job. Um, but yeah, bartenders weekend, it's like the anti-cocktail week. There's no, you know, it's really just a way to network and party and hang out with each other. Right. The whole premise of bartenders weekend at the beginning was like, Hey, around town, you're going to need to order beers and shots because the bartenders are taking a weekend off, you know, (laughs) and we would just go hang out at the Lafayette and have pool parties and, you know, get, get to hang out with each other outside of a bar setting. And then, you know, about year two or three, we added like a little pub crawl to it that's turned into a three-day, you know, 45, 50 event, you know, powerhouse of a trade weekend, um, which is incredible. We get people from all over the country and out, all over the world, um, great sponsors and just good times, right? Good vibes, right? March in San Diego, it's still cold mm-hmm. elsewhere all over the country. So it's pretty nice. Three days, $30, I think, to eat and drink. All you got to do is get here and find a room hang out with us uh, but it's been a lot of fun and last year's was the first one after the pandemic that really felt right um it was big it was it was great seeing so many people in our hometown so anytime you guys can come down for bartenders weekend we'd love to have you alfonso you better let me know when you come down yeah we'll show you around for sure yeah for sure i'm gonna uh i'm just waiting i gotta wait a couple of weeks to see that schedule but uh, i'm gonna try to go for sure because so, i'm in long beach so i'm i'm super close you know an hour and a half yeah man that's that I would say that's an easy train ride, but I don't know what's going on with Amtrak right now. But short I, drive, I don't even short know. Drive. Yeah, it's a short drive, and it's it's easy, cl- close enough. So yeah, but uh, Stephen, thank you for your time. And, you know, I truly appreciate it. Um, it was a blast talking to you, and I, I really would love to talk about learn about coffee itself with you one of these days, because it, it sounds like you know it's just like spirits. It sounds endless, you know, fun, and there like there's a lot of passion, you know. Well, brother, you invite me up to Long it. Beach, and I I will do a. A coffee and cocktail masterclass for anybody you want to wants to come for sure sweet awesome man that, that, that's it. exciting cool you want to let us know where we can find you and where we can find mr black yeah sure uh, mr black is on instagram at mr black spirits i'm also on instagram sj berto s-j-b-e-r-t-o is my handle um but mr black mr black.com you can find us online um or at all all of your favorite bottle shops these days in and growing all your favorite bars for sure. Um, but yeah, it, please engage with us. Uh, we have a huge community of coffee and cocktail lovers, uh, both on our website, on our Instagram account. And then me personally, feel free. I answer all my DMS. It's just me doing the thing. It's my personal channel. So, and then we're also at, at coffee cocktails. We, we do a little sneaky, uh, cool. second Instagram channel for, you know, just for the love of coffee cocktails. I didn't even know that. So next time you, you design one, create one, post it on the interwebs. Make sure you tag us so I can repost it. 
Cool. I just made one this morning, actually. I'm gonna check that out. Oh, right. cool. awesome. Thanks, man. Uh, thanks for your time. And, and, you know, hopefully we'll see you and meet you in person one of these days. It's been a pleasure, brother. You better, you better call me up. We'll do, man. Thank you. All right. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening.